0: To the Litigation Psychology Podcast brought to you by Courtroom Sciences, Dr. Steve Wood, star studded panel today. I got two of my colleagues <laughs> with me to talk about some interesting topics. Um first and foremost I have Ava Hernandez. Ava, how are you?
1: I'm doing good Steve, how are you?
0: I'm good. And then obviously we can't it couldn't be a podcast without Dr. Bill Kanaski.
2: <laughs> I am I am very um unhappy today. And I'm going to let you know about it right now just and give today? it and, and get, uh, yeah, just, just, well, actually it started yesterday. It <laughs> is spilled, it's spilled, it's spilled over uh, into today. And Ava uh, Hernandez up in Chicago knows what I'm going to say all too well. I'm Uh-oh. just going to say it right now. The Chicago bears oh. <laughs> are, are are the worst sports franchise in professional sports They've earned it. They are. They are terrible from the top all the way, all the way to the water boy. The guy that paints the field, the guy that waters the grass, all of them. Everybody should be fired. Every single one of them. They are a a disgrace to the city of Chicago. And it's I'm just going to say, if you think it's been a long season already, there's there's more. There's more to come. And I, I would hope by the time that this podcast Posts that everybody, everybody, the guy at the hot dog stand, fired every one of them. Ava, if you disagree, go ahead. But it's it's the whole city. I just I'm just telling you, it's it's atrocious.
1: No, no, no disagreement on my part. I thank uh, you. I stay away from from the Bears fandom. Good, see,
2: because you're smart. (laughs) See, I am not smart. I'm a glutton for punishment, and I ask for it. Steve Wood is in no better shape with his New York Jets. No. However, actually he's he's actually he's in better shape. Um it's just it's 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 just an atrocity and I I it's terrible.
0: Fired, did, all of them I, fired. I did hear someone mention something I think was a good idea, is where you take a team like the Bears and you know, relegate them to like the XFL and bring up one of the best XFL or Canadian Football mm-hmm. League uh teams and then let them take the Bears spot. What do you think about that?
2: No, 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 no. No, just fire them just, all. This they, they all need they all need to be fired. Now my beloved Cubs bear they missed the playoffs by an inch. We're gonna give them a pass. Hey, they won 83 games. The White Sox lost a hundred games, by the way. So they should they're kind of in the same, but I'm not a Sox fan, but they're in the same boat as the, the Bears. It's just a very, very, very rough time to be a Chicago sports. Yeah. So Ava, keep continue to stay away from it because you're gonna get nothing, nothing beneficial, valuable, or positive from the Bears organization.
1: You got it, Bill. There you go. I'm (laughs) glad
2: I had to get that out of my system.
0: (laughs) That's good. So particularly what happened yesterday, which I'm not gonna get into. (laughs) That's awful. Speaking of rough times, and I think that's you know why I wanted to bring Ava on. Ava and I had a good conversation last week talking about kind of some witness training stuff. And kind of talking about rough times as far as how there's competing goals, competing thoughts about the way things should be done in witness training. Um, so Ava, I'm going to kick it over to you to kind of talk a little bit more about you know, what are these different areas, what are these competing notions, and then what, what do we need to identify as, as we move forward?
1: Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, it was a really good conversation we were having the other day and, and thought it would be kind of good to talk about it here. Okay. I mean, I think we see a lot when we're working with witnesses that there's sort of a a, a, a three-part uh, relationship that's going on. We've got the client, we've got the attorney, and then we've got the actual witness that we're working with, the person who actually has to show up and answer questions and sort of speak to what's been going on in the case. And a lot of times you know the client wants a good result right they want the deposition to go well they don't want us to give away anything right and the attorney likely wants the same sometimes there can be a little bit of a difference between the attorney and the client as far as what that good result looks like or even the way to get there and achieve that result and that can bring up a little bit of friction during the witness prep and the deposition process itself And then the witness right i think we sometimes forget about the person who actually has to show up you know the star performer the person in the spotlight a little bit they're there and and depending on the witness right depending on if they're a more low-level witness versus your corporate rep or someone who's a little bit more higher up in the organization you've got competing ideas as far as what their role is in this whole process how they're going to show up what they're going to say um, they often just sometimes they just want to survive the deposition. This really stressful situation. Sometimes they're really more focused on performing really well and on you know kind of a more appearance wise, just looking really good, um, of, of representing their organization well. Sometimes just getting it over with, right? But sometimes those competing priorities kind of play out in the in the prep process and we have to manage the ways that different people in positions of authority or power have different ideas as far as what this will look like or the way to get there and that can bring up some stuff that makes it tough on the consultant right and also i think tough on the witness a little bit sometimes
0: yeah bill what's been your experience with that i know that you you probably had several of those too where you come in and there's there's been different perspectives about way you should be doing things there's different perspective about the way they think the witnesses should be doing things how do you address all that
2: let's start with the witness brain so the witness brain is pre-wired to survive so how does it do that in a cross-examination during deposition is it wants to defend it wants to explain and we know where that leads right and so you know one of the key issues with the witnesses is resetting you know, a cognitive reset on really what the objective is, which is not defending, uh, which is not explaining our way out of this because there is no way out. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, if they don't understand that going in, they're going to make they're going to make a lot of they're going to make a lot of mistakes. And so I I tip, you know, uh, I mean, the three of us run the same system. I mean, it's 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 in the first 20 minutes typically that we address this very very early singing what are we trying to accomplish here and the whole notion of we're trying to um you know rest in peace jim valvano we're trying to survive in advance that's that's the objective in the deposition we're Not trying to win anything and the brain doesn't really get that it's a very foreign concept and um one that the witness brain will forget very quickly and regress back into you know becoming defensive evasive over explaining things because they start to use their work and social communication skills in the deposition and that'll get them killed really really fast that's kind of the first area that you know that that you see That's a huge challenge. And then, as Ava mentioned, now we got some sometimes some triangulation going on because then now sometimes I say most of the time you get a solid defense counsel that agrees and says, yeah, don't defend, you know, because here's the thing. We have defense attorneys, they defend. We hired defense experts to defend the case. They do all the defending. We don't need fact witnesses or corporate reps defending anything. And most defense attorneys we work with would fully agree with that. Mm -hmm. However, the occasional defense attorney who loses their mind as well, will want the witness to defend, defend, defend. Mm -hmm. And we know, we know that this does not lead to good things at that position. And we are certainly positive that when that happens in front of a jury, at a trial, hey, defensive people, it kills their credibility. Which I know, Steve, you know all about the uh, you know credibility with jurors. Uh, that's going to be a losing you know situation. So sometimes you can have that um, effect there with the attorney, and then you have the the corporate client, right? So either the internal um, claims person or the insurance you know, um, claim specialists that may be, uh, attending and they, they have their, and sometimes they don't understand. Um, sometimes they want to defend, defend, defend when they don't really understand the purpose of this and what the implications are of a defensive witness. A defense a defensive witness gets, you know, or so the, the thing that I see is, so not only when I'm entering witness prep, am I, am, am I evaluating the witness I'm evaluating the defense attorney and the claim specialist to see where their heads are at. So we're all on the same page. And here's the th- Again, no one talks about this, but defense attorneys and claim specialists, they can go right into fight or flight responses just as quickly as the witness because they're emotional about the case, right? And so they get emotional and then their objectives get out of whack. So I think early on in witness preparation or witness training is what we call it, that I know the three of us all do this. This is really important is that we all get on the same page. What are we trying to accomplish here if it's deposition? But then if we are pre-trial, that's a little bit different, right? But still, the defensive nature is not going to get you anywhere. But what we have in trial is the opportunity of direct examination or rehabilitation examination, which allows the witness to say what they're dying to say to the to the to the jury. Now, oftentimes you don't get that opportunity in deposition. I think that's a big mental and emotional struggle you want to and by the way i've been down this road before right say you go over somebody's house right maybe it's a family member or it's some and you know your spouse looks at you and like keep your mouth shut don't bring up x don't bring up y there's gonna i go okay and i sit there right and i sit there for two hours and i'm like grinding my teeth together to keep my mouth shut because i want to say something because that's what my brain wants to do right yeah. and i get through that family event or friend event or social event (laughs) typically I don't get through it personally uh but the point is is I want to get to the other side of that event and not make things worse and that's really tough in deposition now at trial obviously you you get the opportunity to explain those things but again there's a certain way to do that which um does not come across as defensive it comes across as authentic and that's a kind of a different skill set. So whether we're preparing witnesses for deposition or trial, I think defining the objective up front is key before any preparation or training gets underway.
0: You know, and Ava, mm-hmm. I guess you've probably come into situations before and Bill mentioned it in in his response about how you may have one perspective, you know, that we know works that we've, we've tried and true that we've gone in over over and over and over again but you also have an attorney who wants a different approach and then now you have a little bit of an impasse between you and the attorney how do you navigate that when you know your training expertise and all the stuff that you have is saying one thing but yeah you have an attorney who is you know not necessarily completely counter-opposite but it it, they're trying to like bill says you know want them explain they wanted to have them pivot they want to do things that we know is just not going to work how do you navigate that
1: yeah, I mean, that, that's definitely tough. I mean, it's very tough to, to navigate and it's, um, it, it's very delicate to navigate, right? I, I find that sometimes when I'm starting um, a, a witness prep, it's more difficult to navigate and I kind of hang in there a little bit with it, right? And then by the middle, by a little bit in, I typically get everyone on board. Sometimes it's a matter of just giving a little bit of time. I also like acknowledging where the attorney is coming from, right? I don't have the capacity or the ability typically when I'm showing up to do these preps to just shut these attorneys down. And that's not really my role anyway, right? We're all there to be a team. We're all there to get this witness to be operating in a way that works best for everybody, right? So I think it is working with, you know, I say a lot of things like, you know, what are your thoughts? Do you agree, right? And kind of let them put out on the line what their issues are. And then we try to talk through it if we can, right? But I haven't had a problem where we've reached an impasse that we haven't been able to solve. I typically find that the friction comes at the beginning when I first start talking. And then once we get to a point where they go, aha, I see where you're getting at. You're not nuts. This makes sense. And if you can just trust me a little bit at the beginning, Uh. I'll get you to where it all makes sense for everybody. But sometimes that first hour of witness prep can be a little bit more delicate and touchy than the final few hours are in my experience.
2: Yeah, Ava. Ava's Ava's describing what I would call the, the light bulb effect, where you see the light bulb go off and they go, oh, okay, I see, because they don't get no one gets it because it's a very counterintuitive way to to think and to speak um but you know I think what happens um you know as you both have you know we we have countless videos deposition videos um and some trial testimony videos of witnesses essentially doing the wrong thing and they're doing the wrong thing because their brain is telling them this is my survival response i'm being attacked and by the way it's happened to all of us when you get blamed for something and you know you didn't do anything wrong and you know it's not your fault and you're getting blamed that's that's brutal and you have those internal emotions it's it's rough and your brain wants to fire back right and defend 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 and that's the trap that's exactly what a cross examiner wants and when the witness starts to do that it's 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 big big trouble so i think you know as we identify these issues when you start to show them the witnesses that go into that survival mode and you show them you break down the video saying now here's why this is going to be a huge problem later on in the depth or in front of a jury you tend to see that light bulb go off and then they understand. Okay, I okay now now I get this. There's a strategy here that we're following, and I don't I don't have to defend anything. What I need to do is I really need to embrace. I need to embrace my conduct. I need to embrace my decisions. I need to own it, right? Because the more I defend, well, as you both know, the more you defend, well, number one, the worse you look. It looks it looks terrible, right, in front of a jury or on videotaped deposition. But the worst part. Is the more you get worked up and defend, that's the neurochemical response of cortisol and adrenaline pumping through your veins. You're going to stay that way for the rest of the deposition, which is really dangerous because a lot of these depositions, you know, if you luck, if you're lucky, you get out of there in three hours. A lot of them are four, five, six hours. Well, now that you got these chemicals going through your body that are designed, <laughs> right, for survival responses, it's going to throw you, it's going to throw off cognition and rational thought for the rest of the deposition. So uh, there are ways around this, but boy, I would say you, you better deal with it up front.
0: I think too, Ava, I want to touch up on that because I know that you you do a really, really good job as far as addressing that because you have your clinical background about spending time with witnesses and and getting them comfortable. But I think one of the things we run into sometimes where we get in there and this really guys kind of goes to like competing priorities about you get in there, you know, you need to spend hours and hours. I mean, think about the case you and I just worked on where we, you know, we had to spend three days with the witness. Right. And the first day was all of you just doing the emotional portions of it. But the good thing is, is you had attorneys there that were very caring that cared about the witness and they, they they knew the time that needed to be spent in order to get this witness to where he needed to be. But the problem is sometimes we run into it and it's like, Hey, can we get past all this mushy stuff? Can we get on and move on yeah. to the mock questions? Or even when yeah. we're trying to go through and, and go through kind of our process of what we need to do, we get that, Hey, we get it. This is great. This is, this is not, let's get on and start talking about mock questions. Let's get on and move on. So how, mm-hmm. what's been your experience with that?
1: Oh, I mean, I get that a lot. And I I will say that last one that we did, I mean, just utterly tremendous attorneys who were so um, willing to engage with the realistic human part of all of this. Right. But that's something that I say a lot to the attorneys. I say I I will I will say to them sometimes I know often, you know, this is uncomfortable. Right. You're thinking I acknowledge their fears. Right. You're thinking, let's get to the point. We're talking about the strategy. Why are we here? And I say, I, I know it's uncomfortable. Right. Here's what's gonna happen if we don't deal with the emotional aspect of this. It's not gonna go away. It doesn't magically disappear. Guess where it's gonna go? Now your witness is afraid of acknowledging to their teammate, the attorney who's on their team on their side, now they don't trust you enough to acknowledge and be real about where they actually are at. Mm. And that will come out later. And it will most likely come out at the actual deposition where they're again under an intense, stressful environment where someone's poking at them, right? Why don't we deal with this in a safe space, you know, and deal with it with your actual teammates, right? And use this as a time to build a little bit of trust between all of us and engage with what we've got going on. And also dealing with the emotions has an enormously outsized impact on, for the witness being able to actually engage with the strategy of the case, right? If we're dealing with guilt or we're dealing with shame, we're dealing with fear and all of that stuff, guess what? That absolutely influences the words that are literally going to come out of the witness's mouth. And you got to work, you can't work from the words, you got to work from the emotions Right. You can't work backwards. You got to deal with what you've got that's um, primarily influencing their cognitive capacity, which is the emotions, like it or not, as uncomfortable as that is. Right. Yeah.
2: The, the, um, many of defense counsel, it's not their fault. They just understand how it works, um, you know, neurocognitively is they want to start with strategy, right? (laughs) Which which you you can't, you know, you you can't start there. You've got to, You got to handle the emotional stuff up front. Otherwise, none of that strategy is going to stick. And we Mm -hmm. see it in these fight or flight responses and deposition, right? We we have it on these videos. We play them at our speeches and everybody laughs. Well, it's not funny, right? What, What happens is you go over all that strategy and they go, okay, right? And then they go into meltdown mode in the deposition. They completely abandon the strategy. I mean, they jump right off the ship without a life preserver? Get me out of here. And they start saying crazy things. And then the depth goes to ship. And then the attorney is like, I can't listen. Every one of these speeches I give after every one of them, every single time attorneys come up to me afterwards. They're like, I told my witness Mm. to stay calm. (laughs) I told them the strategy. I (laughs) work with them for three days. And they completely abandon the strategy. I don't understand. I told them everything you told them. I go, no, 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 you, no, 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 you didn't. No, you, I know what you did is you really, well, Hey, you don't know how to deal with the emotional things. Number one, but number two, you dove right into all the strategy. You thought you had a plan and then a really good cross examiner. And by the way, defense attorneys do this when they're cross examining other, other witnesses, right? If you know what buttons to push, a defense attorney can get a plaintiff attorney in fight or flight just like that. And we have the same process occurring. So defense attorneys, when they're deposing or cross-examining plaintiffs or plaintiff experts, it's the same, it's the same process. If that person hasn't been built up right cognitively, behaviorally, and emotionally, and the defense attorney can go on the attack and push their buttons, the plaintiff witness. Will completely abandon the strategy go in the fight or flight and start saying crazy things so this is not just about um defense when it happens to plaintiff witnesses too and both sides can um do this to witnesses and if the witnesses are not prepared um emotionally and, and tested emotionally during the preparation and training process everybody's vulnerable mm-hmm.
0: But I think that goes to Bill when you say if they're not tested in the process, that's I think that's why we see sometimes where attorneys want to just dive right in to the mock questions and 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 say you know here, here here's the high points right, keep it short, keep it concise, answer only the yeah. question, and wait till the question <laughs> is done and go, and they think that that's that's enough and and to spend three, four hours talking it's about a- <laughs> something like that is, is a waste of time, right? It should be just, we should be able to just... It's a, it's it a, it's a, it's
2: a complete, yeah. I mean, you can, see, again, the, again, every time I speak, they come up to me. I spent hours with this witness and 90 minutes into the depth, they, they pulled the ripcord. 90 mm-hmm. minutes. And none of it stuck. I couldn't believe it. And I'm like, well, I'll, I'll gladly explain, you know, why that happened. And that, these are exactly you know, the reasons, the reasons why it happens, it's, it's, it's impossible. And then they're shocked when it, you know, when it, when it, when it happens. And so, um, yeah, there, we, uh, we know what we're doing. We, we've cracked the code on this and we know how to get these witnesses where they need to be. Cause what you have, I mean, here's the objective. They're going to get a lot of questions and they have to adhere to the strategy over multiple hours. Number one. So we have a we have a we have a fatigue and longevity issue here. Right. And then number two, they have to adhere to the strategy. When being attacked from different angles. Right. And you, we have these videos, right, where the witness gives the correct answer the first four times and then time number five, they lose their mind. Right. But they got it right. The first four times they just weren't ready for angle number five. This happens all the time in deposition. And so having that type of um and again it's neurocognitive neuroemotional training is the only way to get to the other side you can tell any witness and this is what happens you can tell witnesses all day all night till you're carolina blue in the face hey stay calm Mm -hmm. stay calm breathe don't get upset don't get annoyed don't get frustrated And the witness is going to look right at the attorney and go, okay, I got it. It's impossible. (laughs) The brain's not wired. Got to imagine if my kids did that, right? They actually did what I told them to do. You can tell people all day. It doesn't matter. And so one of the main, um, you know, things that we focus on in our training with witnesses, which I think is the most important part of the training when you really look at the value, is creating failure. During the training, you have to find where's the weak, Where's the neurocognitive weak link in this chain? I got to find it. I need the witness to fail in a training environment, not a not a deposition environment. And I can I can weld that together. I can fix that. And Steve, you can fix it. Navy. You can fix it. If that doesn't happen during the training, the cross examiner is going to find that weak link at the deposition or in trial in front of a jury, and there's no repair for that. It's gonna blow up in your face. And so the the benefit of advanced training, finding the weak link in the chain, having the witness miserably fail with the safety net of of us, right, um, there, and then being able to repair that chain So that they can go into the deposition and then adhere, keep that chain strong, adhere to the strategy. That's the secret sauce. And I got to tell you, that is not easy. That is hard damn work. Okay. Mm. That is hard work. All of us together. How many years of advanced training do we have combined? It's over 30. it's, It's crazy. And that's how much it takes. This is really advanced stuff.
0: Yeah, and Ava, you know, Bill mentioned about talking about angles and in, in all the different angles that opposing counsel is going to take. I think one of the things too that doesn't get probably brought up enough in this training that goes back to, you know, whether whether it wanna be spending the time doing it or whether or not there's a focus on getting the witness to understand the different angles. But you know, I want to talk have you talk a little bit about understanding where witnesses will sometimes agree to things or or disagree with things and not understand what it is that when they agree to something that seems very innocuous about how that ties into plaintiff's theory, right? Because I think a lot of times you can see these kind of risk, safety, danger, harm questions, and those kind of make sense about where they're going with it. But sometimes it's case facts or developing and getting people to agree to certain case facts that witnesses don't understand where that point is gonna lead to and how that fits into plaintiff's narrative and how that fits into the plaintiff's case, you know, their their theory of the case. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely have. I, I'm of the opinion that that knowledge is power, right? I think sometimes the the witness in, in this scenario is the person that gets sort of thrown under the rug a, a little bit, or that's the maybe a weird southern expression, but they just <laughs> get sort of left behind right and the attorneys are having conversations above their head a little bit and everybody's having conversations and above their head and the witness the actual person who's actually in the hot seat i'm not in the hot seat the attorney's not in the hot seat they're the ones who have to answer right but sometimes we talk a little bit above their head and don't acknowledge the implications of what their testimony means. And we are working from the assumption of, oh, that's all this big sort of high level legal stuff. We don't need to bother them with that. And I I disagree, right? I think that the more we can let the witness in on the actual strategy and let them know, not just kind of gloss over things, but say, here's what the attorney is trying to get at and here's why. And the more that they can understand, I always say, It's not fair that you're expected as the witness to walk into the room and everyone else is aware of the rules of the game and you aren't. That's not fair right? So let's fill you in on the rules of the game so that you can show up and be on the same level and on the same playing field, playing the same game as everybody else. Otherwise that's not fair. And I think witnesses wholeheartedly appreciate that. They're not this magical entity a witness. It's just a person, you know, like me and you, it's just a human being who's trying to do their best in a pretty stressful circumstance. Let's give them some help in that way and not talk over them or kind of make them feel like, Oh, just sit down. Don't worry. Kind of the big kids will take care of, it, right? Let's let them in on what's going on. And that will actually help them testify so much better because it gives them ownership over what's going on. It gives them insight into what's happening so that they can, as we teach during training, right? They can catch and see 100% of the traps. But if you don't know what the trap is and if you don't understand what that trap is intending for you to do or to be in the moment, how can you catch it? Right? So we we got to kind of work with that a little bit, in my opinion.
0: That reminds me Absolutely. like, uh, have you guys seen that show jury duty on Amazon? Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's like that, right? <laughs> it's the guy who, the guy who's a, a juror in a case that he believes is, is a real case and everybody's in on the joke, but him, it's the same type of thing, right? What you're talking about is everybody's in on right. the strategy. Everybody's in on the story except for the witness. And then we're like, gee, how did that witness not know that that's where the story was going? Well, Cause they don't know what the story is. Exactly. I, guys, I, I did not make it. A-
2: the second episode I, I i begged my wife i said hey this is gonna this is supposed to be good i begged my wife to watch it the middle of the first episode she looked at me she's like i,
0: I can't do it i said okay turn it off <laughs> it was one of those things that i felt like i had to stick with but it was just because yeah it was like job research i guess but no but i mean i think that's that's your point ava though right is just being taught, everybody talking over the witness's head and we forget that at the end of the day The witness is the one who needs to be clear on what the goal is. The witness needs to be comfortable with what the goal is and and comfortable with what the theory is, all those types of things. And sometimes, right, Bill, that I don't think they they get left behind.
2: Yeah. But here's the, here's the problem with here. Here's the problem. And I tell them this right up front. It's not a goal that creates a lot of satisfaction at the end. There's no pot of gold at this rain at the end of this rainbow right there's no there's no gold medal at the finish line you get done everybody goes home i mean that that's the psychological problem here is that you're striving towards, towards something that's really really important to the case and there's no reward mm-hmm. in fact we're telling you all the things not to do <laughs> right there's no reward at the end of a deposition and that's again that's another emotional struggle that witnesses have and um it's hard to get around because you want to every we
0: we we want to win right mm-hmm. exactly ava so i mean as I, I kind of the take-home message then for for attorneys clients and witnesses and more so attorneys and clients what, what would it be as far as going into this witness training process about what you believe should be kind of the, the main goal or the main focus
1: yeah, I think that seeing the witness for as sort of an integral partner in your litigation strategy or as someone who's not just kind of brought in by accident, but that has a real stake in the game, right? I think that that's sort of a mindset shift that would go a long way in a lot of these cases and help these teams trust each other a little bit, right? And help ultimately, again, outsized impact, help the witness actually perform better cognitively right? Because they're showing up and they have that sense and knowledge of ownership and ability that you can't just say, you know, you got this, right? Okay. Be good. Be confident. Not going to work it's not gonna work, but how do you actually instill confidence? How do you actually make them feel like they have some ownership over it? And that's by treating them as though they're a true kind of partner in all of this and not talking above their heads on some level and bringing them into some of the strategy and, and spending a little bit more time acknowledging what's actually gonna go on, what it'll actually feel like, right? And what that means and the implications of it. Not just, you gotta do this, but here's why, right? They're not, Kids, the whole, you got to do this because I said so type of thing, I think feels a little bit infantile sometimes. And we do that without thinking, right? This is too complex to explain to you. Just just trust me, mm-hmm. right? Well, we're not quite there yet. We we got to give witnesses for the most part, I think a little bit more, mm-hmm. and then they will show up better, right? Because they, they have some more ownership and more stake in things.
2: I, I think the hardest... Um area of litigation to do this in is in medical malpractice yeah when nurses and doctors who love and care deeply for their patients are are being accused of of negligence i don't think i mean that's a stake right to the heart for these people and they want to come out and defend their care you know and there's a lot of dumbasses out there that um there's a couple books that are out there that that physicians have written to help other physicians to get have you read this book oh my god i agree i disagree with the entire like every chat i read it and i'm like i i I just in fact i had an insurance company client who shall go unnamed that brought the book to one of our witness prep sessions gave it to the doctor and said hey we give this to you know i know we're just about to but you know read this too you know this session will be but read this book i said hey can i get a copy of that?" it there's a, a short thin book i read it the next day i called the claims manager i said don't give that book to any other physician ever again in the history of your job because goes, she goes why not a doctor wrote it for the doctors i go i completely disagree it, it's good they're gonna make every mistake because the whole book was you've got to defend your care you're as as a as a physician You've got to defend your care, and you 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 tell that plaintiff attorney you didn't do anything wrong, and here's why. And you defend, defend, defend. No, no, because you look guilty, and then you're going to go into fight or flight, lose your mind, and it's going to be a terrible, awful deposition. That's not the objective. By the way, have you guys searched YouTube videos lately on deposition prep? Holy shit. You yeah. want some of the worst hey, witnesses are obviously witnesses. Don't witness This this attorney. If you want to see some of the worst advice out there. To prepare for a deposition, just go to YouTube. You could spend two hours looking over videos, which which are typically 90 percent inaccurate and just wrong. And by the way, I've caught a lot of witnesses, anxious witnesses going to YouTube. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or buying these books trying to and listen and they're just desperate for information right hey listen we all do it right oh i got a little rash on my arm oh, web WebMD, right oh shit here we go hey right th- that we're information seekers and then they start getting the wrong again it's the wrong objective and so there's a lot of things we can do here to get their head on track but i think the whole purpose of this podcast is, is if the objective isn't clearly defined and cognitively they're not on track you can work with these people for days as an as a defense attorney, it's all going to collapse in the deposition against a skilled cross examiner, if they're not cognitively and emotionally trained appropriately. Exactly.
0: All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna end this, wrap this up. I know all of us got, got some stuff to get to, uh, but I appreciate you coming on, Ava and and Bill. I wanted to touch on this. I thought I thought it was really you know informative. Then when we had that conversation, I thought that I needed you know, the, the audience to hear that. So I appreciate it. Uh, as always, reach out to us, any one of us via email, go to courtroomsciences.com, has all of our blogs, posts, podcasts, all that type of stuff on there. You can reach us through that as well through the contact us link in there. And we're happy to talk to you about any of your topics, any of your needs. So thanks again to Ava Hernandez and Dr. Bill Kanaski. This has been another edition of a litigation psychology podcast brought to you by courtroom sciences. Hup!